Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I'm your moderator, JP. I'm here with Matt. Hello. And I'm also here with our recurring guest host, Amy. Hey, guys. Hey, Amy, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. That's and I, Yeah, and, and I really mean that. I'm not just saying that because every time we have a woman on our show, our, our viewing count goes up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and our best show was when we weren't on it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely not a ratings ploy or anything like that. <laughs> so, Amy, I'm uh, I'm really glad to have you with us. Um, when uh, we in invited Amy to to jump on board with us for this episode, uh, we actually asked her if there's anything she'd like to talk about. And you brought up something that was actually I something I found to be quite interesting because it is something that I've been thinking a lot about. Um, which is you want to kind of just describe what was on your mind and. You know, like we have, we all have kind of these these dreams, meaning like what we want to do in career or in creativity and art and stuff like that. And then at the same time, we have responsibilities of life. How do we find the time to pursue our dreams? How do we, um, and what does that mean? You know, what is the urgency? Because I feel a sense of urgency about that. So for myself personally, I've always loved circus since i was very young i wanted to run away and join the circus and you know it's kind of a silly thing like as an adult i'm now 33 years old and i'm still trying to run away to join the circus but i'm actually making money doing it um but what it is for me is that i have been doing the gigging the circus style gigging and what i do there is hula hooping mermaid shows fire shows and Etc. Same time. Just typical weekday. Just you know? typical kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I try to have a lot of different talents, even like within the realm of performing. I think I may be spreading myself thin in a lot of ways. <laughs> but what I also do for the security aspect, because I am a mom, you know, and I'm keeping a house, I would do some nannying. I've been doing um, this past year, I got into ship shopping, which is essentially like Uber of grocery delivery. And I would sort of thread that in to buffer my income. But what I found was that as a performance artist, I really stopped growing. And I was only taking the gigs that I could already handle. And so I wasn't seeing more opportunities come in. My network sort of like slowed down. Um, you know, I'm still working, but at the same time, I'm not growing as an artist. Right. And so I've recently decided like, okay, let me cut out the excess, you know, jobs that I'm doing that are pulling me away from my goal, you know? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> with all that said, this whole theme here is sort of like finding that, finding that balance of, you know, cause I'm certainly wouldn't suggest to recommend to anyone that you, especially, you know, as a parent that you just throw caution to the wind, right. you know, in 100%. But it seems like there comes a point where we have to make, we have to take a risk. You know, we have to take that step forward in faith but for me, it's not just about kind of like a childhood dream. It's also about what this means for human expansion overall. You know, we all have our own gifts and talents. <clears throat> and so for some people, it is writing, you know, and for some people, it's singing. And for me, it is making people happy through the art of just showing them something cool that I've been working on, you know, some tricks that I've learned. And, you know, it makes people smile. It brings joy. So... Okay. So I, I suspect that there's something about our sort of evolution as a species where like that creativity is so important yeah. to make time for. 
long-winded. I, I agree. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, uh, we, that's, that's what we do here. Um, so <laughs> let me ask you, how long have you been doing um, performance and the, the things that you love to do? Mm. Um, so I started around the age of 25. Wow, okay. when I had my first audition for my first entertainment company and I got my foot in the door you know I'm five foot nine I'm thin I'm kind I'm model-esque you know I've done a little runway in commercial modeling which I did not love but um, I got my foot in the door through entertainment through being a uh, kind of a shoe in with the look you know that a lot of mm -hmm. people are going for for an entertainer and I started taking gigs where, you know, we'd be in costume for private parties and events. You know, they've dressed me up like a bird and they've put me in a table. It's just like the weirdest <laughs> stuff, you know. And when I first started, I uh, um, would take anything and everything, just trying to kind of establish my network. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's Father Chuck. Hey. <laughs> He's here. I'm, I, am, I, am, I am there, yes. Great. Well, I'm glad to hear. We were just, uh, we're just kind of, we're just getting revved up here. Ooh, I gotta get, I gotta get used to this new format now, where uh, it jumps, it jumps to all of you when you talk. Um, yeah. It does what yeah. it does in the video, but it's doing it while we're talking. I gotta get used to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. hi JP, and then JP's gone. Oh hi Chuck. Oh, oh wait, hi JP. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Cause yeah, that's right, Matt. You, you, we. I was sitting where you Amy were sitting was with me last, last time. time. I did this. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the first time I've got multiple people on the same call. Multiple yeah, locations, I should say. Three locations now, three remote locations. Yeah, we're. I realize as we're doing this, we are very much stress testing <laughs> JP's editing ability with this episode. Well, I, I mean, Google Hangout does does all the heavy lifting, to be honest. Right, guys, every, everybody interrupt each other and see how much it keeps up and how JP has to edit later. <laughs> Our goal should be to cause a Pokemon era seizure uh, <laughs> with all this <laughs> shifting screens. Oh, it's nice. happening. I'm getting there. All right, so Chuck, we were just kind of talking about like sort of the risks involved, like pursuing your passions and stuff. And um, Amy kind of gave her background on what she does and how she's cut out her side jobs and is pursuing what she's actually what she actually loves to do. I think Amy, you know, you're you're more justified, I think, more than than most people pursuing your passion because of how much experience you have and how long you've been doing it. And um, that is something I've been thinking about a lot, especially with um, this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, we're going on year three right now. Uh, we have like over a hundred episodes, and um, so and like this year, I, I, I kind of decided to kind of take it upon myself that I'm going to make this like our, I'm going to try to make this our biggest year. That mm -hmm. means like really diving into it, mm -hmm. um, and um, that that's what I that's what I've been doing with the social media and trying to. Uh, plan episodes ahead, trying to get you guests, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't have done that, you know, when we first started because right. it, it wouldn't have been good. <laughs> but I also, I also want to say without giving out all of our numbers and stuff, but um, JP in a month has doubled our listen listenership and nice. has, I would say, um, what what would be like 300 times the amount of interaction on the internet because people actually are interacting now so um, yeah so in a month he's already drastically changed uh, well you don't have to post landscape. for me my friend oh but i am going to i'm, I'm going to <laughs> it's, so it's he's tearing right. it up 
Didn't didn't we talk last week about not being able to boast because <laughs> those cabinets aren't listening? Look, when when you talk without me, I don't care what you say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is something that I've been thinking about. But but one thing I don't think um, I, I I have been able to prepare myself for is is uh, you know hitting a brick wall and uh, <laughs> experiencing burnout. I made a mm -hmm. I made a trailer for our episode last last week, and I worked on it for maybe an hour, and I needed to like lay down for the rest of the night. Mm. Um, so expelling creative energy is uh, something I was not prepared for. Well, uh, you're you're mm -hmm. exercising a muscle. It, it yeah. takes you know yeah, it's just going to take time to um to to build up to that momentum, right? I mean, it's just like any kind mm -hmm. of workout. Um, you just gotta you just gotta keep at it. Right. Yes. Exactly. But, um, but go ahead, Ben. But in, in, in Amy's introduction here, to kind of get back and to kind of continue to catch Father Chuck up on where we're at, um, I found a couple interesting things, and I'm trying to remember them now because we all distracted ourselves. But um, a couple interesting things hidden inside of what you were saying. Um, one being about how it's more than just seeking what is the job I want to do because there's something about that creative side of you mm -hmm. that has to be expressed. And mm -hmm. if it's not, then something's wrong, basically. I have a fear of being an old woman and looking back at my life thinking shoulda, coulda, woulda. Mm -hmm. I have a phobia of it. <laughs> it, it I have nightmares. <laughs> um, so that's a big push for me. Yeah, but, that's, that's but something I've heard and, too. <laughs> yeah, and I find, but I find that because even your word usage, when you're just talking about it and you're not sure, how do I put this into words? Even your word usage means something to me. Because one, one thing when we get, when we talk about this topic, one thing I'm interested in kind of bringing into the discussion um, from my, my side of it, because of my, my interest being in the, the religious realm of, of things, mm -hmm. kind of like Father Chuck, is um, the discussion and concept of the... I call it God's will for your life. Mm -hmm. um, other people would say, you know, like destiny, fate, um, the role that plays, how we find that and how there's a part of us that when you're not taking part in what you are meant to be doing, it feels like there's a part of you dying every yeah. day. You don't do it. And I think you can miss it. Like, I think that a person can live their whole life. I don't think that it's like, it's a guarantee, oh, you were born for this. Like you still have to work for it. Mm -hmm. You know, like you feel when you're lined up for what is truly compatible with your soul, but it is still work, you know? Mm -hmm. And you still go through periods of like lack of inspiration or just like, oh, I work for myself now, let me sleep in today, you know? <laughs> it's easy to do. Because, <laughs> because this, this topic gets into an area that um, Father Chuck and I talked about probably 30 minutes in the car. Um, yeah, gets into kind of the discussion we had because of where I'm at in life and kind of the things that um, excite me and the things that frustrate me mm -hmm. and where I'm stuck at and how I've started to attempt to shift the way I see things. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's going to play in well with this this discussion I keep going. But also just kind of giving um, everybody a you know, view into what we're talking about and where we can go with it. Cause I feel like the topic is a majorly important one. And I also feel like what I'm finally starting to see, and I don't like seeing it because I want things my way. 
Um, but what I'm finally starting to see is there's different ways to view it where you can find a contentment even when you're unable to do what you feel like you're meant to be doing. Mm. Um, and that's a hard lesson I'm in the middle of at the moment. But uh, Father Chuck was a help, so we'll get to that too. But um, but yeah, no, I think great topic. And I found some of the, just you introducing it, some of the ways you said things. There's a lot in there, mm. which is why I always talk to Amy. She's the inspiration behind all my writing and stuff because she says things and I'm just like, holy crap, how'd you even think of that? <laughs> I feel like they're all questions. These are just all questions uh, I have. I hope that you guys have some answers. I am, I'm willing to be a guinea pig. I, de I tend to have like a, a point of view on life that I'm just kind of like, eh, might as well. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I'm here, here we go. Let's see, you know. But I, I admit too, um, I grew up in a family that has provided a sort of safety net for me. You know, like I'm never someone that's at risk for being like homeless because, or a starving artist at the end of the day. So that makes a difference, you know, and that's a blessing in my life. Um, not that they're going to pay my bills for me or anything like that. But like I said, I'll never be homeless. Right. That's good. <laughs> that's the, no, they, they, yeah, that is good. I, I, mean, I mean, I think I'm far enough in my career and my networking that I probably shouldn't even have that on my table. But yeah, I think, I mean, the, the whole reason why I, I, I left L.A. is because I, I knew I wouldn't have that safety net. And I, I probably mm. would be ending up living in my car. Um, and I just like when, when at, at that age when I was confronting that idea, I was like, that ain't me. I'm not a starving artist. <laughs> right, right. Of course, if uh, if I could do it all over again, I I, I probably I probably would. Uh, you think so? Knew, <laughs> if I knew where I would end up after leaving LA, yeah, mm. uh -huh. <laughs> I would have taken it. Um, but I mean, but it, but you know, it, hindsight is twenty twenty. I didn't know that when I was twenty five years old. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't know that like if I just plugged away. Then in ten years, I probably could be doing what I wanted to do. I thought yeah. I had to like. I thought I had to be Steven Spielberg right out the gate. Um, yeah, because that's what that's because that's or like I think, sell your soul. Yeah, um, there in LA. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's sort of like. Uh, I think our society kind of conditions artists to kind of feel like you have to be Mozart, um, in order to 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 be to make any kind of living at what you do. So, which basically means you have to be a prodigy. So, like, you know, I wasn't a prodigy at 26, not at all. And I thought, well, I should be doing this stuff. Yeah. Um, I, to take it to a level for me is like, I, you know, one of the pressures that I've felt over the years is my, is I had a, a pastor friend years and years and years ago once tell some people that at his new church when he started and I was getting to meet some people, he made a comment about, he was like, oh yeah, Chuck is, Chuck is destined to be famous. And I always sort of took that as like, a prophetic statement or something and so the fact that i'm like not sometimes i feel yeah. i feel a little like am i not am i missing some kind of bit of potential mm. that i'm supposed to have or something like that and i uh but when i start to think about you know because I, so I think about that in terms of like impact right you know not that i want to okay. you know some people want to be famous it's just all they want to do is be famous um great episode of comedians and cars getting coffee with mm. ellen DeGeneres. Um, where Ellen talks about how that's that's what she wanted to be. She wanted to be famous. And so she just sort of structured her life in such a way so that could happen. Um, <clears throat> I never wanted that to happen. Like I just sort of, any, well, I mean, I, you know, I just sort of felt like, you know, if that's the destiny, like it would it would happen or, or whatever. But like, I wasn't interested, I've never been interested in fame for the sake of fame, but fame in the sense of impact, right? Mm -hmm. So 
but then I stop and think about like just this past week um, I, at my school, we we instituted our um, we installed our new head of school. And so I'm the, as a chaplain of the school, like I led that I, I was a leader of that ceremony. And, you know, I'm standing on a stage with like 1500 people in the room, 1300 students, and then all the faculty and guests and stuff in the room. And that was also being streamed on the internet. So like all these different constituent groups, right? So <clears throat> there's that, right? So there's an impact right there um, that, 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 my, that my work as a priest is having. Um, I think about how every Wednesday, you know, I have a, I do a chapel service with 600 plus high school students and then like 300 middle school students. Um, and that rotates, you know, every couple of years, there's new people in there all the time. Um, and then I think about, um, and then I think about like this podcast and how, like, as we're growing and, you know, like to see numbers on videos to realize that like, it's small numbers, right? I mean, it's not like we don't have like a million views or anything yet, but the fact that we even have like, just the idea yet, but, <laughs> but the fact that we even have like, whenever I see that we get like 50 views or something, like it just, it, it, it you know, and like listens, right? We've, we've had like a couple hundred listens of episodes. Like the fact that that like, just blows me away that there, are, that there are like 200 people that I probably don't know that have listened to things that we have talked about on this show. And so, so when I think about the terms of like impact, Right. Like maybe I'm not Rob Bell on a stage in Orlando talking to 700 people on the first night of my tour, as Matt and I saw a couple weeks ago, you know, but the fact that the work humble brag. Right. But like, but I think like, but what I, but I mentioned that is because like we're so con I think our generation's conditioned to think that, you know, we're only making a real impact when we're in that context. We we aren't conditioned to think about the fact that you know, we can put up a YouTube video that has the potential to have, you know, a couple thousand people watch it, which is small numbers in the grand scheme of YouTube, but a thousand people, right? It impacts them, they impact others. And then it sort of, it ripples out mm -hmm. into, you know, that, into that kind of web of, of influence. And so, you know, so I, all of this is to say that like, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's all about, and, and this is what I'm hearing Amy saying and Matt saying too, is that it's, it's really more about how we think of these things. We're conditioned mm -hmm. to put it in a certain context, right? Like, if you're working a nine to five cubicle job, right? This is like Hollywood's narrative. If you're working a nine to five cubicle job, you're somehow losing your soul. But yes, or or but four when, to twelve inside the jail. Right. <laughs> Go ahead. But like the but when 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 people have done studies on job on satisfaction and job satisfaction in, in in American culture, the people who are working the nine to five or like life satisfaction, the the people working the nine to five cubicle job are actually more satisfied than the artists and creative types because the people working the nine to five job, like they have a clear, they have clear set hours and then that gives them clear set time in which to pursue creative actions and other things outside of that. And so their life has structure and they're able to pursue ho hobbies and other things that give them personal fulfillment and happiness. And so again, it's just, I think it's just a matter of, of, of stopping and, and thinking about this stuff. And like, and, and I, I mentioned all of this, you know, this is one of my rants, right? And we have listeners mm -hmm. who love my rants is getting back to, we have one listener that loves his rants. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so getting, getting back to that. I've mentioned all of this to kind of get back to what you were saying, JP is like, you know, you, you, you in tw age 25 thought you were supposed to be Spielberg. Um, but you think about somebody who, like we make we make fun of you, Bull. All right, let's just we make fun of a director like Yui Bull, who makes famously terrible movies. Um, but at the same time, he's making movies, right? Like they're yeah. not 
they're not they're not major blockbusters. They're not necessarily having like this massive like award winning thing like in the culture. But the man is living his dream. He's doing what he wants to do, and it's sort of like, well, how can we disparage that? He gets to do what he wants to do. Um, we could, if only we could all be so lucky, right? So I think it's just a matter of how we think about this stuff. So you know, maybe you're not making you know Oscar worthy cinema. But if your life is putting out little videos on YouTube, editing, editing, you know, things, doing whatever, I mean, if you can ultimately say, I'm making things, I'm creative, th creating things, they're being put out there, people are engaging with them, then I think you have to say, like, I'm, I'm doing what I was called to do, even if it's not necessarily the thing making, you know, putting money in my bank account, it is still what I was called to do. Plus, yes. plus you have the makings of a documentary that could rival Jaws. I'm just saying. It's, it's <laughs> a documentary right that could rival Jaws? Yeah, it's oh. right there about overcoming fear and surfing and it'd probably end with a shark attack because that would be my luck. But <laughs> it's all right there. I'm just saying. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad you chimed in, Chick, because I, I am interested in, in, in you know your whole perspective on this because, um, I mean, out of I think out of all of us, you're, you're the one who's kind of pursuing um, what you're really passionate about and and you're able to to you know have a stable life because of it. it's it, you have a you have an income and you have a you know you're getting paid to do it uh, JP, uh, JP, and chuck, JP and Chuck just to be clear since the last time you've been on they have this bromance that's been oh, growing even more so, um, it's it's just it's all about how good JP and then? Chuck are yeah we're so it's that's that what we're doing I had to bring backup in on my side. <laughs> you really have you have you not noticed just how handsome JP is and how the blue wall of his it brings out the color in his eyes? It's it's impossible not uh, to develop that kind of. Wait, that's wait, totally do we have three out of four people with red hair in this podcast right now? Seems kind um, of. I've always suspected that like there's something about my red hair that's like magical. JP's beard is red. It's an antenna for higher spiritual energies, you see. I used to be a redhead. Thank you guys. It took you a sum total of two minutes in my discussion to pull her onto your side where now it is all about how Amy, JP and Father Chuck are awesome. I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna go. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I don't need any of you. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you, I want to ask Matt, um, do you think that you're kind of getting to a place, you said that um, you're kind of finding some content where you are, and, and, and Chuck was just talking about how people, you know, well, according to studies that he's, he's seen, people who work these nine to five jobs uh, are able to find content, in fact they have this sort of stability and they can pursue other things on the side. Is that do you think that kind of describes you? Um, yes and no. Um, yeah. See, I'm interested. I'm 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 interested in that study and the way it's worded and how they asked these people these questions to reach the conclusion that nine to five is more satisfied with life with where they're at, because any artistic endeavor, in my opinion, there has to be a a level of dissatisfaction yeah, for art to be for art mm -hmm. to be created. Um, so I'm curious at how it was even worded because I feel like that discussion was. They might feel more comfortable, yeah, but are they necessarily yeah. feeling like a passion? I feel, I feel how you ask that question could be very biased right. and also how you explain it because here's another thing and something I do want to talk about. I would say, JP, to answer your question, 
I would say that I am finding contentment, but that does not mean the same thing as finding satisfaction with where I'm at. Or like a fulfillment. I'm, I'm finding, right, I'm finding, um, I'm finding a growing sense of I can be me and I can take part in what I believe I'm supposed to be doing even where I'm at right now. Um, I can I can take part in that. I can have an impact where I am, but that doesn't mean that I'm still, yeah, this is where I want to be, what I want to be doing. Um, and I feel like we've labeled that as, oh, then you're not content with where you're at. Well, no, it's I'm finding contentment, but that doesn't mean you're satisfied with where you're position has you at the moment is the way I would say it. Like wanting something different isn't the nature of being discontent. Discontent is not allowing yourself to find joy in life mm. because of where you're at. It's not the, I want something else. That's the problem. It's where your satisfaction in life lies. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say I'm finding the ability to, to have that joy and stuff in the midst of this is not where I planned my life heading. This isn't what I planned on doing, um, but I'm finding, yeah, but everything I said I wanna be doing, I'm having a chance to do it here. And then maybe later I'll, the position will change, but I'm finding that contentment. Um, but that's a big thing to me is we have a very wrong, I believe, concept culturally of what it means to be content. Like I should be happy with everything about my life, where it's at. Well, if that were true, there would be no growth. There would be no progression. Um, so that's not to me what contentment is. Mm. And that's what this lesson is teaching me. And if my wife were listening, she'd be on the other end cheering and being like, yes, now just learn that even better because <laughs> she gets to hear the, the complaining more than everybody else. Yeah. Um, but it is a lesson that, that I'm, I'm definitely striving to to get a hold of is you have this concept of this is what i was made to do um you start pursuing it and it's like life hits you with roadblock after roadblock after roadblock and you wind up stuck in a corner somewhere going well if that's what's going to happen then i give up mm -hmm. and what i've found is i got past i went through that point i gave up and then i hit another side of it where i'm like wait a second, everything I want to be doing, I start doing here. And then the rest we'll worry about later. Um, I, I kind of, my, my mantra for life right now is just put me where you want me and show me why later. Mm. Um, and quit worrying about, you know, where am, where am I at? Quit worrying about that. Um, show me the why later and put me where you want me. So that's, that's, that's where I'm at. Um, okay. But I'm curious that study even how it's worded, because like I said, there there is a level of dissatisfaction, a level of um, frustration in order for art to be created, in order for progression to go forward, because it has to be something that you're either like, I love this so much, I want to see it better, or something that you're like, I can't stand this so much, I have to change it in order for creation to occur in mm -hmm. art to to blossom and perform because okay. otherwise it wouldn't be art it would just be a boring repetition of what's already been done that's interesting um because <clears throat> i think you hear a lot about how um i think this sort of ties into like you know i had a class in college and we were we were studying 
uh, Ernest Hemingway, and we talked about his suicide. And the question, a question that the professor asked was, um, you know, it's sort of known that Ernest Hemingway was struggling with depression and alcoholism. Um, would he have been uh, as mm. as good an author if he mm -hmm. wasn't struggling with those things? Right. Everyone There's so sort many of, examples of that, especially in music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've, I've, I've never, and, and maybe it's just because I don't want to believe it. <laughs> I've, I've never bought into like that. Like Ernest Hemingway had to be miserable in order to be uh, Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. No, but here I'm gonna, I'm gonna derail this completely and hopefully okay. bring it back to what you're asking, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I'm gonna, I'm in my mind, I'm drawing parallels here that literally have nothing to do with each other, but I think they do. So I'm gonna get there. <laughs> Give me a second. Um, I heard an interview with a couple of guys who are like kind of the forefront of the minimalist movement. And they're talking about decluttering your life and getting rid of your stuff and how they found joy. If it doesn't, it doesn't that. involve Marie Kondo, I don't want to hear it. But, <laughs> but, um, but they're kind of at the forefront of that and they are big and known for it. And when you hear them talk, Part of me was like, there's so much of what they have to say that I can learn from in my life. And then there's another part of me that's like, but they're the opposite side of the coin. And in my opinion, they're, they don't realize they've got the same problem going on. Mm. And what that is, is I can be controlled by my stuff or I can be controlled by not having my stuff. Mm -hmm. Either way, I'm still allowing the stuff to be the issue. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the actual contentment would be, like the Apostle Paul says, for example, the actual contentment would be, I know how to live when I have much and I know how to live when I have little. Um, the phone isn't the issue. My inability to put the phone down is the problem. And if I focus on, I can't pick up my phone because my life's destroyed, I'm still allowing the phone to control my life. The perfect in-between is for it to just be there. It's a natural part of your life. You use when you need it, you don't when you don't, and you don't let it control you either way. Um, I say all that to say, and I'm trying to bring it back because in my head it was connected a lot more until I started talking. <laughs> but like the, the Ernest Hemingway thing, um, I believe what the issue really comes down to is the contentment discussion. And with Ernest Hemingway, he was an artist. He created, but he was discontent. He allowed life to push him to the point where he literally was done with it and couldn't, couldn't take it anymore. Um, so his writing was not from a place of, I mean, I'm sure it was throughout times in his life, so I don't want to say ever was but his writing wasn't something that was the natural outflow of his life that he wanted to share with the world it became a controlling driving force that he's like i have to dump this out of me or i can't take it anymore he literally couldn't take it anymore right um and i feel like that contentment issue is kind of how we can allow this desire to do what i was made to do I can allow it to control me to the point where my life becomes so bent on it has to do it has to be this it has to look like this that I can reach burnout or be done with life entirely which mm -hmm. is sad but but happens or I can go the other extreme with it and say I want nothing to do with it because it didn't work out the way I wanted it to do so I'm going to turn it off and be done with it and give up on any concept of what we believe we're supposed to be doing Whereas what I'm struggling to hold on to in my life is finding 
how do I fit what I believe I'm supposed to be doing? How do I allow that to fit into my life naturally where I'm at and allow it to just be part of that? And there'll be the ebbs and flows of life. There'll be the times where what I believe this is what I'm meant to do will be like the forefront, the top, the height, the focus. And then there'll be times where it's the background and I have to hold on to the little moments where I get to get to feel like, yeah, this is why I'm here. Um, but always allowing it to be woven throughout life rather than allowing it to be the, the end all be all either way. It's all I focus on or it's what I gave up on because it couldn't be my way. It's interesting. I think part of what like inspired this topic for me is that I run into a lot of people, um, especially women my age. I'm 30, I'm almost 34 years old. I especially run into women and moms my age that look at me and say like, how, how are you doing this? Like, how did you get to this life? How do you so young? How do you find time to like raise your kids and provide for them and like do all these tricks and pursue these creative interests as a career? And, um, you know, I see those women have, it's like they're, they're terrified of, you know, and sometimes so far removed, it may, ha it may have been 20 years for them since they've actually participated in the activity that calls to their soul, you know, because they just, uh, took on all the pressures of family and life and society and stuff like that, which I will note is also very joy bringing. And also, I think from that same creative source, having a family and building a home, we have to acknowledge is part of our creative mission. You know, it's not all about like this work on canvas or this work in a book that we can say, I did this. But even sitting in a home surrounded by family that loves you, like that is your creation, you know, and that is worthy of the investment of time and energy. Just like when I'm, you know, on my yoga mat conditioning for circus stuff, it's not very much fun. Like in that moment, you know, it's work and it's the same thing going to work to provide for a family. Like that is still, I think, sourced from the creative sort of energy. And we have to account that as part of our dream. Like our dream isn't just to be a circus person, but to be a mother, you know, like that's huge. So I can be in those moments present, you know, it really is about present with what you are working on in this moment, recognizing like, hey, I'm here right now, like, hey, I'm here with my children, I'm making dinner, and this is where I'm bringing my creative energy in this moment. And then when they're at school, and I am on my yoga mat, you know, like, hey, I'm here right now pursuing this creative thing. Um, hmm, forgot my original point. See, now you know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I start talking, go, where were we at? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I could see what you're, just of what you're saying is that you know uh, having your dream be more than just like a, you know like an artistic pursuit, but also uh, you know mm -hmm. there's there are many different pieces of the pie that are part oh, of life. So I think for most people, you know, so these women that I that I interact with or whomever um, that are trying to figure out how I'm doing it right now, they are dealing with a long term fear that's keeping them trapped from having these joyful experiences and it's like it's not even as big of an issue it's it the lifespan of that fear that's been preventing them is like so long and so um just expected and habituated and stuff like that you know and it does take you know that risk i remember the first time i danced in public i was like 24 years old or something and i literally i'm going to tell you the quick story i was in a college class and there was um, a band playing on the lawn at the school. And there was this girl and she was kind of like hippie-esque and she was just dancing by herself on the lawn, all kind of crazy and silly and having a great time. 
And I was standing next to two guys who were observing her and talking about her. And I remember hearing one of the guys say like, oh, she's a free spirit, you know? And I was so envious of her in that moment because I was afraid to dance in public, to be in that spotlight and just, you know, have that freedom for that moment. And that very night I was like, I'm going to go out. I heard that that same band was playing at a local place. And I was like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to dance in public. And it was such a big moment for me and literally nobody in my life knew about it i went myself i like danced for one or two songs on the open dance floor no one else was dancing it was very anticlimactic <laughs> but for me it was huge it was like this breakthrough moment you know and so that's what i think it's about it's not about like it's just like there, there's little areas of our life that are calling to us and we might have a lot of fear there. We got the family thing going easy, you know, easier for us, you know. And so these women that are envious of me, they, they got 95% of it. You know, there's just this like 5% that they're not letting themselves indulge in, you know, and they just haven't taken that, that sort of like risky step of putting themselves out there and then everything that could possibly come after that. And that's why I feel people start feeling the stress in that other sense when they're not pursuing is that it's, this has just gone on too long. You know, it's been too long that you've let yourself stay in the box, you know, yeah. not to have fun with this, with this uh, passion that you have. Right. And, and if, if I can, if I can refer to, to a pop cultural moment that's happened recently, uh, the the film the the wonderful film Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Uh, the moment Miles Morales becomes Spider Man, he has to take a leap of faith because he asks Peter Parker, "How do I know when I'm Spider Man?" And Peter Parker says, "You won't. You have to take a leap of faith." Mm. So, uh, that, that's that's what you're reminding me of. In order to kind of pursue yeah. what you want, you do have to take that leap of faith where you don't know if like oh, if I'm even good at this or. Whatever, um, but I want to know. Been um, He's been dying to reference into the Spider Verse. <laughs> the movie is so good, you guys. It is so good. Um, Chuck, what was it like the first time you danced in public? Uh, it was uh, uh, metaphoric, metaphorically or literally. Well, literally, um, I want to know <laughs> the first time. The first time I danced in public was probably uh, was probably actually at a uh, at a uh, this uh, here's a, here's an aside. I may have told the story before in the podcast. I don't remember, but I did. Uh, I, I, growing at growing at the very conservative Baptist school that I went to, we did not have dances, so I never really learned to dance until um, I was out of high school, and I was invited yes. by an ex girlfriend to go to her homecoming, and she went to Bishop Moore High School in Orlando which um, was also the, uh, the, the, the alma mater for a certain um, Mandy Moore. And so I was there with Mandy Moore at Mandy Moore's homecoming. Um, and nice. loves, that was the first time I ever danced. Yeah, I do. I brought, it up, I brought it up on the, on the podcast before, right? Who, who's Mandy Moore? What? <laughs> Wait, really? She was, she was like... I mean, she, she I know who Mandy Moore is. I'm just pointing out, guys, we're getting older. I think a lot of people don't know who Mandy Moore is. Well, no, they do now. Now she is. This is us. No, now she is the mother on This Is Us. Oh, she is the yeah. mother on This now Is she's, Us. Okay, she okay, now okay, plays okay. the mother instead of us playing her as the teen pop star. Yeah. yeah, now she's the mother. Yeah. Okay. You might want to split that in so people... <laughs> But uh, no, uh, so the first time, the first time that I ever danced in public, it was in the presence of Mandy Moore. Um, <laughs> JP, JP should be careful um, teasing people and asking this question because there's a certain video out there of oh, JP dancing in public. Yes, 
that could very easily become public once again because yours is on film, my good sir. I wasn't. And right here, right here, JP, for your editing, cue the photo of you in your in sync outfit. Oh, yeah, buddy. Just wait. Just wait. Uh, you were there too, my friend. So, but to, to get to more the metaphor of the question, if I'm allowed to, to do, is uh, I, I remember the first time that I ever preached. Um, it was, I was invited to lead a Bible study in high school and I sort of had to give like a homily sermon thing at this Bible study. And it was only like 12 people or whatever. And I thought it like the, the, the illustration, I'll never forget the illustration I came up with was, um, um, I had been at a soccer game like the night before and I had these golf pants that I was wearing that repelled water and like I spilled a drink on my like I spilled a drink while sitting in the bleachers and I saw the water beat like the the drink beat off of my um off of my pants and I was like wow that's cool like I didn't know they did that right so like, you know like a duck like water rolling off the back of a duck I didn't realize they, they, that they had that technology so so blown away by that and so I used that as an illustration to talk about like sin and salvation and how like salvation is like this shield that allows like the consequences of sin to like bead off of you. Um, anyway, um, my, my, so I, I, I threw those shorts on for the Bible study and I poured water on myself and <laughs> it turns out that when you pour a lot on there, it doesn't exactly bead off. It's meant for like light rain. So it like completely obliterated the illustration. Um, but, um, but I, I will never forget that. It was like, you know, stand-up comedians talk about bombing and that's what it, I, I felt like I bombed. Like I had that experience of being so sure that what I was going to say was profound and deep and all of that. And it was, it was not. Hmm. Um, so that was, that was a, that was a thing. Um, the other, the other kind of hairy moment that I had in my life was um, as a priest, the first time I ever chanted. Mm. Um, so I had to sing, you know, like a Gregorian um, chant, like a yeah, I mean, plain chant, but yeah, um, I I took lessons in seminary on how to do this, and prior to that, I had only ever sung in karaoke, and the first time I ever did karaoke was an embarrassment. Um, <laughs> I butchered, I butchered Charlie Daniels, Devil went down to George on a cruise ship, and um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, later I later I had a good time, I learned theatrics and stuff like that. But uh, um, I do enjoy karaoke. But you know, that's 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 not exactly, you know, like you know, like right, you're yeah, really yeah. singing, right? You're goofing off, and so I mean, I've uh, never done karaoke. I have a bit of a phobia. <laughs> really, so, of all the people. Yeah, see, I don't, I've never sang in public, but between you and me, like, I can do a good Julie Andrews. I can, nice. and, and like with Mary Poppins, like, I could really get some gigs impersonating if I could break out of this next. Oh, you wall. totally should, because Mary Poppins <laughs> is totally a thing right now. It's totally relevant right now. I know I could, I was literally listening to Super Califragilistic Expialidocious <laughs> on the way over here trying to memorize the lyrics. <laughs> nice. <laughs> my so. Uh, Masters of Divinity Karaoke Night will be taking place soon, um, starring in <laughs> You guys are going to hold my hand. For dude, this dude, okay. So Matt has already referenced the fact that we've already had um, a certain Rob Bell tell us that we have to do a documentary about overcoming Matt's fear. Maybe we should do like a whole thing about overcoming like all of our various fears. Everybody's fear. That would be awesome. What are your guys' fears? Where is it? Like, oh, where are you God, right now? What have you yet to bring? <laughs> What's JP. fresh, though? You, I know there's one that's fresh. Like, the singing for me, it's fresh. JP, you just list the one thing you're not afraid of. And the rest of the I'm not afraid of tacos. 
I will say I am. It's funny. Like the, the number one fear, the number the number one fear of people like polled in America is public speaking. Doesn't scare me at all. Like I could give give me a microphone, give me a microphone in front of two thousand people, whatever. I don't care. Like I, I I feel comfortable in that in that circumstance. But like for me, it's things like uh, I am I am terrified of heights. Um, but I, I have addressed that. I, I managed to climb a rock wall recently to kind of confront that, and there it was awesome. Um, All right. My my biggest fear though, cockroaches. Like my animal hey, fear. Man, we don't we don't mess with cockroaches. That's not a fear you overcome. That's a fear you embrace and you run from. I'll get you guys as roaches. I have no fear. Oh. Roaches, spiders, snakes. So 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 far the documentary <laughs> is me surfing, Amy singing, and Father Chuck skydiving. I also have a bit of a fear of I'm not skydiving. Oh, you're skydiving. Plane tickets to a cool. You want to put me? He wants to put me on a surfboard in the shark bite capital of the world, but he won't jump out of a plane. Uh, you you're realize, skydiving. Do you realize the Chuck odds? Father, right? You don't need to be jumping out of planes. Oh, he's jumping. Wait till your kids are grown before you. Jump I ain't jumping. He's, he's going skydiving. He's I'm going not going skydiving. skydiving. Oh, just do the hang gliding thing. That looks pretty cool. They do hang that. That's, cool. like, that's worse than skydiving. I don't know. More people die. More people die skydiving than they do than they do hang gliding. I think. Yeah. Well, I think my fear would just be making this thing. <laughs> so it's like I gotta mm -hmm. wrangle all you guys and Check. make you all. <laughs> yeah, JP's I, fear is filming it. I will yeah. tell you. I will tell you. I have had. Here's here's something that I've actually been thinking about doing, and now that I'm putting it out here, that our listeners can tell me whether or not I should do it. But I've had this idea recently, especially after seeing Rob Bell the other night is I've had this idea of cooking up in my mind for the past like year and a half or so of, of signing up for like a stand-up comedy open mic night. I want to do that too. <laughs> but, but, but not doing comedy. Okay. So like, what would you do? Basically telling people that God loves them. <laughs> uh, that could be comedy. Right. But like, in a, but I'm, cause I'm thinking like, I've been thinking about it a little bit in terms of like, what, what's the point of comedy, right? It's make you feel happy. Right. So to get up there and be able to tell people like, it's not actually like, ha ha funny, but it's meant to make you happy just to, you know, tell people who normally don't know that they, that, you know, God loves you. Like I just, in my full priest outfit doing it, cause I think in it, it just, in and of itself, people are going to think it's a bit right. And then it just allows it to be a thing just to, just to affirm people and just say like, you don't have to fix yourselves. Like, you know, like, it, it's it's okay. Like you're liberated people. Jesus saved you. You're fine. Like basically the stuff I talked about last week. Like you're you're fine. Like God loves you. You are loved. Just you know, accept that. Let that change your life, rather than you know getting up there and browbeating people. But like that kind of actually scares me, because it's easy for me to get in front of sort of people who are you know sort of you know lack lack of a better term drinking the Kool Aid. Mm -hmm. um, the idea of of getting in front of people who aren't buying what I'm selling. Um, that yeah. makes me nervous, especially yeah, when alcohol is involved. Action. Yeah, that too, right? Because like, I don't know what the heck I do with a with a heckler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've I've thought about doing stand up, but only because you know every comedian says the first time they do any they they do any kind of stand up, they they always bomb the first time. So it's like, well, then if I it's actually do it out of the way and I bomb, <laughs> then I'll be just like every other comedian. Well, it's like one, one of my great little pieces of, uh, of, of self, uh, of, of sort of self-motivation. I used to have it stuck on my computer um, and a post-it note. It's a quote from Stephen Colbert. Um, he says um, he was taught at Second City um, when he was doing Second City that his like instructor, mentor person said, learn to love the bomb. And that when you're like, the, the really good comedy is, is when you're bombing, lean into the bomb. And so that's kind of what Stephen Colbert has that's done. What, 
He loves, he says he actually loves that feeling when everyone is uncomfortable. The, That's what his term for that. From. The more modern updated term for that is shrobbing. <laughs> <laughs> that is an art. You have to perfect that. Yes, sir. Sir. You can't just lean into it. Let me guess. That's a that is a Harmontown reference. It is. It is. But it's no, more than Harmontown. It's a Rob reference. It's a Rob Schraub reference. It Harmontown just said Schraubing. Rob Schraub is his own entity, sir, and he is not to be. Um, his 25th anniversary is Scud right now. Um, uh, big deal all over awesome. the internet. Um, but yeah, no Schraubing is kind of the art of telling something that nobody finds funny, only you do, and leaning so far into it that eventually they have no choice but to die laughing at the fact that you're totally committed to this. Um, and that's what he does. What's the, the story it was uh, Camille Nanjiani was, the, the actor Camille Nanjiani from Silicon Valley, he had like a podcast about the X-Files. And I think he was talking to somebody, he was tweeting about X-Files comic books and I think he was able to get in touch with one of the artists, and they were just kind of going back and forth on, on tweets. And then Rob Schraub chimed in with just, with just like, which comic is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, see, yeah. you know, just is what it is. I know, yeah. that I, I know that I shared the premise of my stand-up routine with um, both JP and Father Chuck and bombed twice. So I've already had two bombs. <laughs> okay, well, Chuck, thank you so much for joining us. I know we've got somewhere to be. Yes, um, and I and I hate because like we, I feel like we we over talked Amy and I didn't really get a chance to interact with Amy all that much, but I, I will interact more when I listen to the rest of the episode. Okay, great, <laughs> great. Looking forward to that. Okay, all right. So, um, JP Lucko fears, man. I know, I know. Let's, let's, let's just gotta let it ride, you know. All right, just do your but thing. We can't be so it's, attached. We can't be so attached. I'm just gonna. To specific. You guys just go ahead. Thing. <laughs> I when it comes to this topic. The two questions that are my two questions that I always struggle with or struggle with are how do you know what you're supposed to be doing and how do you know when to do it mm. kind of a thing, which is what I think we're one of the things we're talking about. Like, when do you know to like pursue it and go for it? Mm -hmm. um, and for me, the how do you know part, I think, is something that especially in church culture, I think has been kind of misinterpreted, misrepresented, um, I should say, about this concept of like, how do I know God's will for my life? And they make it like this grand thing, like, um, like he's gonna whisper in your ear, hey, you need to go do this. Whereas to me, it's, you were made, you were made your destiny, God's will, um, you were made to do something. And everything inside of you is geared toward that thing that you were supposed to be doing. Um, so the things that you're interested in, the things that fill you with wonder and joy, the things that when you wake up, you're like, man, I'd be happy if I could just do A, B, and C. Pursue those things because that's his way of steering you toward what you were meant to do. Now, there's exceptions to that if you have like a mental um, disorder type issue and part of what you feel like you should be doing is hurting yourself or others mm. obviously that's not what I mean but the things in life that that make you go yes this is what I if I could do this I could do it forever um, I think that is God's way of showing you what you're supposed to be doing I don't think that it's this grand thing that happens outside of yourself it's that 
part of you that stirs you toward certain things. And Father kind of touched on it, and I always say too, like, part of why I felt like I'm led to be a pastor is because I love public speaking. And who in the world loves public speaking? It's literally like the number one fear listed over like death itself is public speaking. And I'm like, no, I love doing it. And it's like part of that is why I'm like, well, this is kind of what I'm geared toward because who else is, yeah, you know what I can't wait to do? Stand up in front of a group of people I don't know and talk. Um, whereas people like Chuck and I are, you know what we love to do? Stand up in front of a group of people we don't know and talk. Like it's a weird, it's a weird thing because I feel like it's part of what we were shaped to do. Um, JP's slight obsession with movies and Hollywood because it's what you're geared toward doing. Like some people view it as, oh, this one guy, he's so stuck on movies. He, he just never grew up and matured and found what he was, no, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's taking a small part in it now, editing this sad thing he has to go through when it's me talking and make sense out of. Um, but your interests, your your things that stir you are, I believe, the signs of what you're supposed to be doing. Um, so then there's a question of, so how do I know when to pursue it? And this is the one that right now is the hardest one for me and where I am learning the most in life at the moment because I have the family and the medical bill um, commitment right now, where my job, the reason I'm in it is because of the health insurance. And my daughter, even now as we speak, is missing another week of school because of asthma issues that have placed her in the hospital several times. And if it weren't for the insurance, those bills would have been, it would have been impossible. So I'm there for a reason, that alone. But I started having all this bitterness inside of me because I'm like, why am I here? And I'm like, yeah, I'm taking care of my family, but nothing is fulfilling to me. What am I here mm -hmm. for? What is my, my purpose in all of this? It's like, yeah, I'm providing for them in the sense of health insurance, but I'm not being filled up. It's like you're draining yourself out, but nothing's filling you back up. And what I started to realize is I had to shift my focus a little bit. And in my instance, my, my gear in life, what I feel this is what I'm led to do is I'm the person that wants to be talking about the bigger issues. I wanna be discussing the stuff that other people are always wondering, but nobody says out loud. Um, I wanna talk about the issues that really matter and make a difference. I don't wanna focus on the nonsense stuff don't give me the political debate. Let's talk about the spiritual, emotional, physical issues behind the po politics in the first place. Um, I want the deeper. And what I've, I've been like bitter because I felt like it, it, that meant I was supposed to be in like a pastor position talking to a bunch of people at a time. And then I shifted my focus and was like, how about one person at work? Mm. So I don't go to work anymore to work eight hours and come home. I go to work to do my job and provide health insurance to find that one person in the room that I can focus on for the night and have some form of a discussion, even if it's just making them laugh. If you guys, there's something, there's something very interesting about going to work at the number one place that people tell you you never want to go. Like the one thing you never want to do is go to jail and you have to go to work there every single night. There's something immediately 
like emotionally draining about mm-hmm. just walking into there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you can be the person that brings a little bit of light yeah, bring a and joy bit of into that, in that um, it's a big deal. And what I'm finding is, and hoping that this person might listen even because we've had so many discussions in person, I told them um, they've kind of changed my life at the moment. But I found one person there who out of nowhere was like, you know, I used to wait till the very last second to get here. I call her my work grandma, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, she's like, I used to wait till the last second to get here, and now I leave early to get to work. She's like, I get here early. She said, I, it's changed the way I see things, and that's all because you've been placed here. She's like, you're my personal pastor. Aww. And she's like, that's why you're here. And I said, well, you know, I know why you're here. And she's like, well, why is that? I said, because I gave up, mm-hmm. and then I met you. And she's the one who kind of caused me to start seeing it a little different. Um, And I was like, you're here for me because she was at a place in life where she was bitter about where she wound up and how she got there. And then in comes this young guy who's bitter about where he, where he wound up and how he got there. And we started just talking back and forth. And now she's my work grandma who I can't wait to see when I get there. Mm -hmm. And she, and I'm her personal pastor who, Tells her truth, and I love it because she has the kind of reactions I do, very sarcastic sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So when you tell her something, be like, oh, here's what I learned this week. The same reaction I have where it's like, oh, that is awesome. Now shut up because I don't want to hear that right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I want to be mad. Don't tell me that. Um, so we have a good time with it too. But how do you know what you're supposed to be doing? Follow the things that you're, you're steered toward. Just n- listen to yourself. What What are you interested in? What excites you? What brings joy? I find joy? that it's helpful. Like if you're scrolling through social media and you come across those accounts where you're like, mm, like you feel like a, a ping in your heart when you see a picture of this person doing something, you know, and you just have that like strike mm-hmm. of like jealousy or like I could have, I would have done it differently. Like if you're ever saying like, ah, oh, I've done it differently, like you need to pick that you need to pick that up and go for it yourself because yeah. I think that that sort of bitterness, jealousy vibe when you're scrolling through social media can be a big signal of, um, you know, this is this is something that you would really enjoy, you know? Yeah, and that and that's, that's part of the, what I said earlier, part of this, and then I'm gonna let Amy talk. Um, there's two ways I think that you find the things that excite you in life. And one is, I love this so much, I have to make more of it and show other people. And the other is, this is so wrong, I have to do something to change this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why there's people out there who devote their life to combating like the awful things of the world, like hunger or people not having clean drinking water or human trafficking, because they're driven by, I saw something that's so awful, I have to do something about it. And then there's the other people that create art, movies, and literature that are like, I love this and enjoy it so much, I've got to share it with people. Um, And obviously, those two are intertwined very closely because the people providing clean drinking water and saving people from human trafficking are also out there pouring more love into the world. That's what they're doing. So it is very close, Mm. but there's those two ways. When you're scrolling through that social media, what's the thing that you're like, man, I wish I could do that. Mm -hmm. And then what's the thing where you're like, man, somebody has got to do something about that Mm. and explore the the two areas there. See which one interests you, drives you forward. Um, And then as far as when do you do it right now, all you have is this second right Mm -hmm. now, 
So do it in some small way. So the moms who you talk about who are like, how do you how do you get to this place in life? They don't see the the ship shopper driving around delivering groceries. They just see the one who's performing and they think like, oh, man, their life must be so amazing. It's always so easy um, to assume when when you see like really talented people from the outside, like the mind right away wants to assume like, oh, well, they have it easier. Like, oh, well, it's easier for them you know, maybe had more natural talents that I don't have, or maybe they Mm -hmm. didn't have kids young, like I did with these kids, you know, it's so easy um, to, you don't see the background, you don't see the behind the scenes work, you know, when you're just looking at the highlight reel, like we've heard this so many times, or like we're looking at the stage performance. It is, it's a blood, sweat and tears thing. Mm -hmm. But I think that we, what we need to remember is that, you know, just like, it's not about, the top mountain experience. Like if you're not enjoying the climb, you're on the wrong track. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna be surprised to find that when you get to the top of the mountain, it ain't gonna be very satisfying if you didn't enjoy the climb. You know what I mean? It's gonna be more of this moment of like, what am I doing up here? (laughs) Anyway, you know, this has never resonated with myself. So it's really important that, you know, that you're enjoying the process and that, you know, you release the idea of, of the the day your book is on Oprah's is in Oprah's book club or whatever it is, you know, because that's not I'm still waiting. That's not real <laughs> sort of life. I don't think, you know, we like we see so many people that have achieved so much success, like the suicides among famous people in the past like three or four years oh, has been so eye-opening mm-hmm. to really see, oh, you know, what so many of us are striving for, like if only. Um, I was like them, then I would be happy, you know, and they're picking themselves off and left. So it's not that, you know, it's not the mountaintop experience. It's um, finding a mountain that you enjoy climbing, that you enjoy the process. Well, and I think that's part of like the comedian thing. I think that if you talk to any famous professional comedian that made it out there and you're like, how did you get here? And they talk about that bomb experience. And it's like, well, how do you get through that? I guarantee all of them would tell you they would rather bomb at comedy than do anything else. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's what they're meant to be doing. So they would just keep doing it. Even if that meant they had to work six jobs and come every night at an open mic, they would still continue to do it because they'd rather be doing that than anything else. Um, So that's the place you want to be at. Like, it's, it's a thing that even if I, if the worst thing that could possibly happen and I failed doing it, I would still want to be there. Like, mm-hmm. like Chuck, he bombed his, his sermon illustration by dumping water on himself and it didn't work. Um, but he still, that's, he's like, but he'd rather be up there doing that than, than anything else. Like it, it is, it's what drives you, what pushes you forward. But I think it also needs to be said, like, it's not going to be this kind of fairy tale mountain climb either. Mm-hmm. Like there are going to be days that like, you hate this or like you feel like you've created your own hell by even, you know, taking, you know, choosing this path. I've certainly felt like that. Like there are times that I have booked that I just do not want to do it. Like I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the flow. Like I have to pray my way through it. And it usually, it's usually just like a bad attitude on my part, but you can't take like, Oh, you're in a bad mood when you were doing something today like that as a sign that this isn't right for you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because there are moods and ebbs and flows and like energy. Yeah. And it's interesting, you guys kind of bringing up, like, you know, there's that kind of that cliche saying that uh, it's it's more about the journey than it is the destination. Yeah. Um, but uh, there is some, there's some, there's some truth to that cliche. I, I, I think back to when I was like in college in my 20s, 
the, the question that was always on my mind, that I was always searching for, was like, who, who am I going to be? Who, right. who am I? Who am I going to be? And just like that one question took me so many places. I, I did and did so many things to the point where like, I kind of feel like I, I, I kind of know who I am now. Um, but I think I had more fun trying to figure it out than I am now, now that I know who mm -hmm. I am. And I kind of wish I could go back to trying to figure it out. Um, but uh, is there anything else uh, you want to have any other final thoughts, Amy, for it? Um, yeah, so I think that a, a good way of doing it for me is like, you know, to imagine yourself if someone that has children or wants to have children like you're going to be this like I'm going to be an 85 year old woman and my grandchildren are going to be there and I it's like what I want to tell them about the story of my life like that's how I want to live my life with that sort of you know future moment in mind like what will I be proud to say that this is what I did how will I be you know what what can I do now that will ensure that when I'm an old woman looking out the window, I can say I lived a good life. You know, I am um, I, a great teacher. I'll kind of wrap it up with this. I'm going to share a little bit. When I was 15 years old, I studied percussion with Ronnie Benedict, who was um, a drummer from the jazz era. He was, you know, rubbing elbows with people like Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa, if that means anything to y'all. So he was 74 years old and I was 15 and he would constantly, because I had a lot of raw talent, but struggled to practice and put in the time. So he would teach me a beat and I would come back the following week and be in the same place with it, you know, that I was last week. So he would always give me this spiel about the shoulda, coulda, woulda club. Like, oh, you know, you're going to be old and you're going to say, I should I should have done it when I was younger and I would have, but you know, I didn't have this, but really I could have. And I actually have a tattoo of the first beat um, that he taught me in his signature as my oh, cool. reminder, I got away from percussion, but I always held on to that, that memory. And what he said was, you know what? There is no shortage of fantastic opportunities out there. There is only a shortage of people that are willing to put in the blood, sweat, and tears. And he would talk about when people would come see Buddy Rich play, everyone would go home that night saying like, I'm gonna be a great drummer. They would be so inspired you know, but, but so few are willing to, and he, his, the title of his article he wrote was reflect on that sweat, like to look at Buddy Rich and to see the sweat pouring off of him on stage and to know that, you know, you really got to go all in. It's part of it, you know? He, he, he wasn't like J.K. Simmons and, and Whiplash and like through instruments or anything though, right? Like, <laughs> have you seen Whiplash? Mm -mm. Oh my gosh. We're watching Whiplash. Carry on. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's that's definitely good. And 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 just to kind of get into my own final thoughts and kind of like piggyback on some of the things you guys are saying about you know how you wanted to tell someone to just there's a better time than now. Mm -hmm. um, you're definitely right. And also, I would also say don't be discouraged when it sucks. Yeah. Uh, because it, it's it's probably going to be bad, and it's not going mm -hmm. to live up to what you imagine. Uh, but don't be discouraged by that. You know, I think and. I'm gonna reference Dan Harmon. Sorry, <laughs> uh, but like my, my my favorite piece of advice that Dan Harmon gives to everybody on Harmon Town, whenever a new writer comes up and they ask for advice, he tells them the same thing. He's like, write something bad, like write something that's just horrible, because if you write something bad, you'll keep writing it over and over and over again, and like more things, more bad scripts, and more bad uh, fiction or whatever. But if if you do that, you will have written more stuff than the person who is actually really good has written. Mm. So 
that, that's, that's the only thing I would say is, you know, don't be afraid. Uh, don't let the fact that it's going to be bad discourage you. Yeah. I had a really great um, art teacher one time. I took a painting class at the college and he would always people you know when they step back from their work never never look at it and say oh it sucks instead look at it and say okay what can i do to make it a little better you know and so that's what we do when we step back from our work like rather than you know putting this negative label on it that makes us want to just burn it did you guys know that stephen king had he gave the the story carrie to two different publishers that rejected it and threw it in the trash. And it was his wife that pulled it out of the garbage can and sent it to the third publisher who picked it up. And just to the, the idea of like, in that pivotal moment, we as a culture may never have had Stephen King's work if he That's had true. given up in that moment, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. Which and during some of the 90s may have been a good thing. Tabitha King, she is a, she is a saint. <laughs> Yes, um, indeed. Um, great. Uh, so, no, and I'm a big Stephen King fan for real. JP <laughs> knows this. We've had arguments, not JP and I, but there's a fabled story of how it was me versus an entire writing class because they all wanted to claim that Stephen King was not a real author. Our entire <laughs> class <laughs> became a statement in the world. Our entire class became an hour of me arguing against 36 other people. Has better better character development than anyone I have ever read. And I love how even in his shows and movies, it's the only where I see on media, like real people. I'm so over like how everyone looks perfect all the time in music and media, you know, <laughs> like everyone wakes up with their makeup on and their mascara and everything. I'm over it. Yeah. Cher's teeth were horrible and it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should, uh, we should um, talk about some Stephen King someday. Yes, yes yeah. we should. Let's do I, it. I do. I do feel like I've got one more statement I have to make because we're we saying something. So I got go one more. Why go not? We're it's doing, a we're podcast. Doing the we can, we can go on. Right now. We can go on for four hours. We keep making statements. <laughs> like leaving coming back. House. No one ever leaves. <laughs> we keep. Um, we keep. Make... <laughs> go Feeling very attacked. I know. <laughs> we we keep making statements about um, the mom home with the kids and the dad home with kids. So I feel like I just want to say one thing specifically to them, the parents out there. Um, as having been the stay-at-home dad for two and a half years before I my current job, so I've been the stay-at-home parent, um, but the moms that typically in our culture get be, are the ones that wind up being home and sometimes against really what they were wanting to do if that's safe for me to say, it's not always that they want to be the one stay at home. It's that it's expected that they are. Um, but if you're listening and you're like, but I've got the baby, I don't have the time for this. I can't pursue what I want because all of my focus is on my child and what's going on with them. And how do you deal with that? And um, the greatest thing I ever heard comment about it is um, there is no more a creative act in life than to bring life into the world and shape it. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting there going, I can't pursue the things that make me alive because I've got the baby at home and it's life crazy and it's throwing up on me and changing clothes and going to the bathroom and changing clothes and putting them to sleep so they can wake up and change their clothes. Mm -hmm. Like how do you find joy and creativity in that? It's, it's hold on to the fact that the most creative act you can do is be even the smallest part in shaping a life. Um, you brought this thing into the world you have the chance to be a small part in shaping what it will become. And hopefully 
they don't wind up on a Masters of Divinity podcast years later <laughs> just talking. <laughs> but um, but no, but to, to, just for the parents my, out there. My grandkids, I'm a podcaster. Oh, yeah, God. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> um, but yeah, for the, for the parents out there, specifically for them and the stay-at-homes, um, that is a moment in life that I took for granted, and I missed mm. a lot of the joy in because of the fact that I was so hung up on um, when do I get to actually do something to to pursue what I my create creative side? What I mm -hmm. want to be out there putting stuff into the world, and I kind of missed the point of no. Like you this created this life. is the most you created yeah. human life, and you're now investing into yeah. who that person. Like um, my 12 year old son, I see him interacting uh, with the world. He's been volunteering at the fair for three days in a row, like helping kids with rock painting, and just the way that he has the confidence and, you know, moving around the fair, like on his own and stuff, going to see the the show and meeting us back and stuff. It's just like, wow, I, uh, I raised that kid, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's really something special. Very, a lot of, lots of satisfaction. So yeah, if you're a parent, do not miss out on the recognition of, you know, that the creative investment that you are giving to your children, because that's, bigger than anything else you know this is like humanity in the next generation you're not going to create a piece of art that has the potential for more impact than your child does mm -hmm. you know yeah but at the same time too but if you're like but i want to do something okay so do it when yes. they go to sleep write two sentences paint a magical midnight begin hour. like one line mm -hmm. on a painting um do something in those two minutes and when the baby wakes up remember that's the most creative thing you've got right now but take the time and do something. And like JP said, don't be afraid to do something that's, well, but it's not good. I can't really write. I'm exhausted. Write anyway. Like, just just do it. If you feel like I got to be doing this, so do it. Be another one of those stay-at-home mom blogs that end up becoming hugely successful. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, oh, no, I had to create a successful blog. Um, I always said I wished I had actually done, I joked that I was going to start the blog called um, Confessions of a Stay-at-Home Dad. Mm-hmm. And the little tag to it was going to be, forgive your father for he does not know what he's doing. <laughs> um, and I was like, I should have done it. And I missed that opportunity because I was like, no, this isn't what I want to do. Mm. Instead of just dive fully into what you're doing. Like everything about what you're doing right this moment, right now, just dive 100% into it. And you'll be amazed at how much fulfillment can come from that. I just have one more, one last quote. One more thought. <laughs> Um, the Artist's Way, first of all, book recommendation, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron is a 12-week course in unblocking yourself creatively, no matter what your art of choice is. It's incredible. It's really, really quite a journey. Um, even if you only get through six or seven weeks of it before you're in just such a creative moment, you don't need it anymore, highly recommend it. A quote from her from that book is she says that she's encountered people that say, um, but I'm but I'm 60 years old. Do you know how old I'll be when I actually become a great painter? And she says to them, yes, the same age you will be if you don't. So let's start now. <laughs> I want to thank Matt and Amy. Matt, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, as always. And Amy, thank you so much for, for being with us. Please come back. Okay, I will come back under one, one I have a term. We're gonna okay. have to do something about like my little cartoon representation. <laughs> I mean, it's something I mean, I've been I, contemplating for a while. I, I, I that that's Matt's department. He's our artist. Okay, very good. Um, so I mean, I guess there's only one 
option, right? You have to be Shira. Shira, I can. Uh, can I, we I will. Like I will say there's like a new Shira out now. That's really like aren't he man and, and Shira cousins anyway? Uh, I hope they're like cousins. the Superman <laughs> Supergirl ripoff or something like that. No, they're, no, they're cousins. Yeah. And so I mean, because like you know, Matt is he man in our in his in his representation. So it's mm -hmm. just saying, okay, whatever. <laughs> it was meant to be. Uh, no, no, no one is as intrigued about it as I am. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. You guys are like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> All right, thank you guys so much for everything uh, that you said on the podcast, and, and of course, uh, Amy, come back again. We will definitely work on that representation. Uh, thank you. The whole world needs to be working on that representation. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening, and join us again next week. And um, don't forget to to like, comment, subscribe. And uh, ring, ring, ring that bell. Um, this is for the YouTube audience. Uh, and uh, join us again next week. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey.